New Testament scholar Dirk Lang doesn't seem to think so. He says that rather than thinking about the second coming as some far-off event, we should notice Christ as he is present now and continuously in our lives. Not only that, he says that rather than focusing on binary categories of the foolish and wise, our focus should be on the spirit which disrupts all our categories, all our judgmental predispositions. The life into which the Beatitudes invite us is a life not centered on our words, not on our faith, but on the cross and how God is glorified through our lives. Notice how it's not anything that we alone are doing that makes us prepared. The Spirit working through our hearts and minds that inspires us. Our actions then are incidental to the work, to the workings of the Spirit. Understanding the bridegroom's presence as a continuous event happening in the immediate present is then a major part of the preparation. And this is different from the traditional interpretation of waiting checking off lists the things that make me a better Christian. Because it jolts me out of my sometimes rapturously inclined brain. An inclination that was particularly apparent in the painters of the 18th century. Painters like John Martin, whose great day of his wrath depicts Armageddon this, as this cataclysmic event with the earth opening up and then swallowing the remaining human inhabitants after heaven's angels have gathered the wheat, us, into the grain. The theme of constant readiness and or noticing Jesus' presence continuously may be a prompting that elicits in us acts of hope and love in a world famished for hope. Being ready for the bridegroom in this life is the Holy Spirit in action, working within the beloved community that brings the church to the world and the world to the church. A beloved community whose members show love, not episodically or in fragments, but as their defaults, their dispositions. I heard a perfect example of this from a professor I had not long ago. He said that the friend I had carpooled with to seminary, the one that had one day yelled at him for not approving the project he had submitted, did finally get his project approved. But then the powers that be in the administration offices were not going to let him graduate because he had accumulated fines from overdue and lost books totaling, I'm not kidding, $5,000. <laughs> My professor said he felt so bad that the school's administration had made this decision because my friend had worked so hard and that his son had just died. He then said, told the administration officials that he would pay the fines. When the people at admin heard this, they were so bewildered and embarrassed by his generous offer 
that after a few hours, my professor got a call from them saying that, they, that he didn't have to pay and that they were waving away my friend's debt letting him graduate. Being a Christian all the time means a struggle in the balance between heart and mind. Our identity as Christians is not a laundry list of things to do, and when you've completed them, voila, you get to meet the right. Becoming too focused on lists can blind us from treating others as total means that serve our ends. Because in today's world, right now, there is division and hurt and indifference, so much so that a palpable hunger exists that can only be placated by our sense of unity and healing and care. Our mission as a church now sends us into all this alienation and horrible treatment of others as lights, radiating our core values, joyful authenticity, radical inclusion, grounded curiosity, and loving justice. And when we do these things, we cannot help but become living examples the bridegroom embraces. Examples whose true home is in the heavenly city, here and in the hereafter.